in the morning. When you want the news, you need the front page every hour on the press box. Nothing's writing on this except the uh, First Amendment, the Constitution, freedom of the press, and maybe the future of the country. Not that any of that matters. And now, the news. Well, there is a lunch on the schedule, so she'll be there. Yeah, that's the end of our off-air, off-air conversation. Uh, first topic <laughs> in the front page. Well, come on. Luke Prokop has come out as gay. He was a 2020 third-round pick of the Nashville Predators. He played the WAHL, or WHL last year. He is the first person that is uh, signed to an active NHL contract that has come out as gay. He told the Predators front office uh, in June last month and now has told the world, and this comes off the heels of Carl Nassib here with the Raiders who came out as gay earlier this offseason being the first uh, active NFL player to come out as gay. And I don't know how quickly it happens, but I, I do think we'll see more of this. I do think we'll see more and more athletes uh, feeling comfortable being themselves, feeling comfortable coming out and telling the world that they are gay. Yeah, I do. And we said um, when Carl Nassib did it, uh, a lot of what we said was, you know, there'd be kids out there uh, who were struggling with it. And when an athlete does it, I mean, it gives you a sense of look, if an NFL player can do it, like I, I can feel comfortable doing it. And now uh, Pro Cup comes off and good for him. It was a, a great lead on the story where uh, he was talking to um, the GM of the uh, Predators, and, he, and the GM said, look, we're going to support you. Uh, we're there for you. And then the kid said, uh, after he hung up, he had to put his glasses on in the car because he was crying and hitting the steering wheel and let all of these emotions out because they were going to support him. And it was awesome. Good for him. And I, I agree with you. I do think there'll be more now. The more, the more, and, you know, look, professional athletes are looked up to by a lot of people. And I think if, you know, you're struggling with that, but see professional athletes come out in kind of this global announcement, I pro- hopefully it just makes it easier for people. Yeah, I, and, I, and it will. I mean, not that not that people really know who Luke Prokop was. We didn't know who he was until this morning. He's, he's no. playing in the WHL, was a third-round pick. But the, publis- the publicity is out there right now, and if he makes it to the NHL, then it'll be a bigger story. It'll be somebody for people to look up to. I do have to give him credit for this as well because uh, we have criticized like high school athletes who commit to UNLV who announced their commitment at Saturday at like 6.30 p.m. And you're just like, what are you, what are you doing? Nobody's right. paying attention. Luke Prokop, Monday morning. <laughs> Monday this morning. Is... He, oh, this is, this is amazing. Monday morning, not only does he send out a tweet to basically announce it, he had already done interviews with like ESPN and with The Athletic. There are full features as soon as he announces this. There are full features at ESPN and The Athletic about him. Unbelievable job. I don't know if he's got a PR person. I don't know if he did this himself. Unbelievable job by Luke Prokop. This this kid is on top of it. This is this is the, all the only reason Tyler even wants to talk about this story. It has nothing to do about like his bravery or like how important this will be to some like, you know, 16-year-old hockey player who's trying to like like no, it's he actually recognizes the news cycle. Yes. And that's what Tyler cares about. I look up to him too. Do you uh <laughs> you want to tell me what we said in the break? Because I know the one guy who's happy for Luke broke up but mad at the situation is whoever the beat writer is for the Predators right now. Yeah. Beat writers. Oh, they gotta be furious because he talked to all the national media. Right. When I was so 
When I was a senior at Ole Miss, it was the second year I was covering Ole Miss basketball for like our student newspaper. And Marshall Henderson was their best player mm -hmm. those last two years. And in the offseason, Marshall Henderson had like, he got arrested or something. There's some drug issue with Marshall Henderson. And so it was like, is he coming back to the team? Is he going to get kicked off the team? Is he going to be suspended? Like nobody really knew what his status was. And the way that it was announced that Marshall Henderson was coming back and was going to play for Ole Miss again, he did a sit-down interview with Andy Katz of ESPN. Which I assume the school coordinated. I assume so, too. Sit-down interview with Andy Katz of ESPN. That's how everybody found out. I have never seen journalists, media members, as angry. Beat writers. As I saw the beat writers for Ole Miss Sports th that day. They were, they were furious because... Instead of, hey, we're going to, you know, give this story to the local media or even just do a press conference. Right. So all the so local media can, come, can yeah. be there. It was no, they gave an exclusive to, a national to guy. Andy Katz. And this was after months of Ole Miss rejecting any interview requests for Marshall Henderson or even the coach. Like even the coach wouldn't talk about it. After months of that, here's a sit down for ESPN. Yeah. Never seen local beat writers more and furious I could than that. see where it's incredibly furious there if it happens in la that's one thing there's a ton of pro teams but in oxford where oh, that that yeah. school and that team and that program and i remember him as a player is so huge it just could be exasperated like a thousand percent oh, yeah. if you're in that town he, he was the biggest the biggest yeah. person in oxford mississippi at that time because they actually no. went to the ncaa tournament right and yeah, and just for four months, they rejected any interview. So people, I'm then, sure all those guys were asking a lot. You, everybody was yes, asking. Every, I mean, yeah. why wouldn't you? Yeah, it, it, that was the, the only story that anybody cared about. And wow, the sit down with Andy. Oh, furious. And like, I was doing like a student news. I didn't really have high expectations. Like, oh, they're going to tell me. But like, I've never seen beat writers more angry. It was, I mean, looking back on it, it was funny. I don't care about him. Next question. Colin Morikawa won the Open Championship, shot a 66 on the final day and won by two strokes. Poor Rory McIlroy. What yeah. happened? You were like, he was no, like I mean, close to the lead on he Thursday. Didn't, he you didn't were play well enough. Not even mm -hmm. paying attention to the show. No, he didn't play well enough. He's tied for 46th. He's, uh, he's in kind of that Spieth angle area now where he's going through a long stretch and Spieth seems to be out of it now, finishing second. But I was happy for Morikawa. I, I like Morikawa a lot. He's very... Cerebral kid. He's like very special. I, I like him a lot. Very good player. I, this is not going to be his last major. I wanted him to beat Spieth for just one reason and one reason only. Saturday, you see uh, Spieth in the 18th, the Ips, where he, he misses like the three footer, which that doomed him. I mean, those bogey bogey in 17, 18 Saturday, he lost a tournament there because he ended up losing by two. He skipped media on Saturday. You skipped oh, media. Did? I didn't oh, see that. Oh, oh, he was on the putting green. I knew he skipped media because he, 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 he three putts the 18th. And pissed. I mean, he he fist bumped whoever he's playing with, and he literally sprinted off the 18. I mean, he he ran. I mean, and I'm like, man, he's pissed. Um, and then five minutes later, he's got to sign his card. Obviously, five minutes later, he's on the putting green with his personal coach and his caddy. And I'm like, man, did he do media? And they actually said, no, he skipped media. Oh. That was it. At that point, he's like, let's go, Mary. And turned against. Oh, him. absolutely. Okay. But, oh, because I'll tell you what. If he won it yesterday, he would have done media. So sorry. <laughs> So what we've learned today is every do story media, will come back to the media. <laughs> do yes. media and do it on a Monday. Yes, and give it to the local guys. Give it to the guys who are there every day, who travel with the team who are there every day. Not Andy Katz. Happy to move on to the, to the next question here, Aaron. 
three people were shot outside of Nationals Park on Saturday. Uh, apparently, it was two cars shooting at each other outside the ballpark. There was one person that was not in one of the cars. It was on the sidewalk. They got hit, but uh, they're expected to make a full recovery. The interesting part, though, is basically watching how the Nationals, the Padres, the fans in the stadium, how they all reacted because nobody really knew what was going on. I know there was one video on the television broadcast. You could hear the actual gunshots. You had the Padres players come and open up the gate so fans could get out of the stands and come down into the dugout for shelter, even though, again, it was never inside the ballpark. They didn't actually need that, but they did that with the Padres because, again, you don't actually know what's going on there. That's a uh, that is a scary situation. That it's fortunate that it wasn't as bad as it could have been. But it's we're probably not in a good place when you sort of hear that. And the immediate reaction, at least by me, was to fully believe that somebody could have been in that ballpark with a gun. That's um, you're exactly right, and good for the Padres. It was Tatis and Machado. They were going for their family members. They're also going. They opened the gate for everyone else to come in to the dugout. Uh, I. Am I wrong to think like when I first heard I'm like oh my god there's an active shooter inside the ballpark oh my god you know that that this isn't this is insane and then you hear it's outside tell me if I'm wrong here I'm almost surprised they heard it am I I mean I've been in that ballpark now when I was in it I sat up top at Nationals Park but the people I I don't know I when I heard that I'm like wait a minute it was outside like a lot of stuff's happening in a ball game um Maybe it sounded like fireworks. I don't know, but I was almost surprised that it was outside and they heard it enough to where they pan- everyone's panicking trying to get on the field. Yeah, I wonder. I don't know. Because I- it, it happened at the end of an inning. Like the pitcher was walking off and was like going to talk to the umpire to say, here's my right. hat. I don't have any sticky stuff on it. So it was one of the deader periods of, a, of the, of the right. crowd. I, I don't know. Poor I, choice of words. I, yeah, that's that's a good point. Um, but uh, yeah, I I don't know. I, I guess it was quiet enough they could hear it. I, yeah. Next question. A Yankees fan threw a baseball at Red Sox left fielder Alex Verdugo. Fan has now been banned from going to Major League Baseball games. Uh, Alex Cora actually pulled his players off the field briefly because a fan threw a baseball at Alex Verdugo. Um, What what the hell is that? Well, Verdugo tossed it to a kid. Like he's coming off with, you know, Red Sox tossing to a Yankee fan. Good for him. I don't know if the adult took it from the kid. I, I I know he tossed it to a kid. I absolutely know that. I maybe the adult caught it instead, but to throw it back, I, I you know he what, should be what banned. Are you doing? What, what are you doing? The only thing I always wonder about this because he's banned for life. I always wonder this. So he's a Yankee. He's a Yankee fan, obviously. So if he goes to a game at Washington, how do they know who he is? Yeah, that's a good question. <laughs> it's like. Like, like I was like those band for like now maybe at Yankee Stadium even then though it's sold out the guy I'm, puts a hat on I don't know if you know who he is I'm under the impression he's not gonna he can't buy tickets with his name that's something yeah that's flagged. pretty much it that's but pretty if, much but it. if somebody else buys yeah, him a ticket he's walking or in. if he buys it from a scalper yeah. off the streets yeah I don't I mean why are you throwing you've been things to sporting at events they're not face scanning yeah, everybody why are you throwing things at people I have no idea like I I have no do idea you think doing. here's the other thing do you think he meant to hit him, or he was just throwing it back to the field and it hit him. Well, it wasn't a home run ball. It wasn't. No, but like he's throwing. A... I mean, he's throwing it back onto the field. It's. I mean, it's pretty good aim. I don't. Yeah. And here's the other thing. I don't know how close he was because if he ran over and, and, and tossed it, he's still pretty close. I mean, I don't think yeah. he tossed it from like way out in left field. He had to come over and toss it. 
I'm sure it was intentional. I think it was like, intentional yeah, too. I, I mean, it's not like it's a home run. You're throwing it back, and you right. accidentally bounce. Like at the Cubs, and they always throw it back. Something. It's yeah. It, it was just a ball thrown into the stands that got thrown back. So, yeah, it was probably intentional. Corth, which I had no problem with either. Corth pulled his team off the Well, field. I probably would, too. Like, you if you're like, throwing things yeah. at our guys, we're getting off the field. Yeah, especially a baseball. It's yeah. not like, oh, he threw the plastic cup of beer at him. It's a, it's a damn baseball. Wow. Sorry. Um, I got you. Thank you. Sorry. Sorry. So this... Will likely be a bigger story later in the week, but a judge is going to decide this week if they should dismiss charges against Zayon Collins. Zayon Collins, the former Bishop Gorman basketball player who was committed and signed to UNLV, but was since uh, released, parted ways from UNLV, who was in an accident uh, that killed a man. Zayon Collins was driving 88 and a 35 when it happened. Uh, he was also cited for DUI. There was a green leafy substance found in his car. His lawyers have argued he was not actually under the influence of anything at the time of the accident. And his lawyers have argued that the person at fault is the man who died because he made a left turn through an intersection when it wasn't clear to do so, even though Zayon Collins was driving 88 and a 35. And it kind of sounds like his lawyers are about to get this entirely dismissed. Uh, I don't know how they go entirely because he was charged with reckless driving. So I don't know how you're going to drop that. You might drop, you know, we, we know the DA uh, dismissed the indictment um, because they couldn't make up their minds on, on the more serious charges. I, I don't know how you dismissed the reckless driving. He was charged with it. I, and he's going 88 and a 35. So I don't get that part. I mean, he should be charged with that just going for 88 and a 35. And tragically, he killed someone uh, by hitting him. I don't even care if he hits anyone. If you're going 88 and 35, I would think that's reckless driving. Um, this would be very interesting. Let me ask you this. Um, thinking about this yesterday when I saw this story, I mean, I I can't believe they'll re- re- um, drop all the charges, but let's say they do. Who takes them? UNLV can't. You can't take them. You can't. You can't. No. You, can't you can't go down that road. If you're Kevin Kruger, you can't in no. your opening press conference talk about community and all that and then right. take Zayon Collins, who was involved in an accident that, that killed, killed a member of the No, you can't. You absolutely can't do it if you're an OB. So, Iowa State. Yeah, somewhere well, else he can, yeah, somewhere that's not Las Vegas. Yeah, I, I don't I don't have much of a problem with another school taking him on. We give guys second chances all the time. It's perfectly fine. But if you're UNLV, I just... No, you can't if you're UNLV. Yeah, you just, you can't do it. I mean, you have, everyone has a grace period, and Kevin might have a little more because his name and he played there and who his dad is. You'll ruin that grace period if you take oh, this kid. Very quickly. It, yes. it would be ruined. You cannot take this kid. Yeah. And I don't think he would. We're just saying. I don't even know if these charges are being dropped. Right. I'm just saying it, they've they've had enough of these meetings on the charges being dropped that it seems like it's a uh, you know potential thing that's going to happen. Yeah. All right. Coming up next, Kenyon Drake has taken us to space. Who for sure is going to space, and that's his office, his team. And I feel like we're definitely taking off to nice. another trajectory. You know what I mean? You know, how, like how I kind of uh, threw that in well there. Well done. I like that. We're back to the Press Box Morning Show with Ed Graney and Tyler Bischoff. Does Kenyon Drake like space? I mean, was he was he in uh, Branstrom's rockets rocket ship? I mean, was he up he there was. that we didn't see him? Maybe he was up there and didn't say anything because Gruden wouldn't have been happy if the Joker's in space. But that, that wouldn't have been good for the Joker. Isn't that why you get a Joker? Because he does things you don't expect? I'll tell you what, if the Joker was in space, I know who I'm asking for a one-on-one of the first day <laughs> of camp. Can I get the Joker? 
About football, no. About his traveling to space. Yeah, that's right. Kenyon Drake. Put him in space. The, the offense is going to be in space. <laughs> do you want to, Jared, do you want to explain? Yeah, I will. I just, I just okay. don't want people to think that, like... Play play the audio again. Just play it again so people can listen All to right, the beep hold again. All right, hold on one second. Okay. I, I didn't have it ready, but... Jared, right. Jared was very conflicted this morning on whether or not Kenyon Drake cussed. I know who for sure is going to space, and that's his offense this team and i feel like we're definitely taking off to nice. another trajectory you know what i mean you know how, like how i kind of uh threw yeah, that in well there. Done. i like that did the guy say nice because there was an expletive in there he's like nice look at you so no it we we listened to the audio it was close enough to where it should have been beat yeah so yeah. Kenyon drake said this offense and some word that started with an s yes we were not sure what word it was so we got to bleep it so jared went yeah. ahead and bleeped it yeah. jared actually Airing on the side of caution. That's it's a responsible producer. Does. Right there. Um, but yes, bleeped it. Even though, so I hope Kenyon Drake is listening and is like, I didn't cuss. Yeah, I just, I, yeah, <laughs> I want, like, I would rather him be mad at me and me be like, I I, I couldn't tell. The uh, the dr- jokers right now say what? I said offense and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> he easily could have. <laughs> well, he actually, he could have said stuff because we couldn't understand the, the word he said. So that's why there's a bleep in there. So was this Kenyon Drake, is he... Have you guys read before? Am I missed something? Has he always said he's going to space? I don't is he, know. Is he I'm one of those guys who wants to go so. to space? I'm assuming that's the case here because why else would they ask him about space? I mean, a bunch of other people have gone to space recently <laughs> and he just got a big contract. So maybe that's, uh, I mean, is that what you do now once you get I like. I mean, Maybe you know, just we, ask. Maybe you just ask every Raider who is available on podcasts, which seems to be a lot of them. Do, are you going to space? Yes, it's like a podcast <laughs> oh, question because we're all on podcasts. So, oh, no. so somebody's going to get that damn long snapper. <laughs> <laughs> what if the long snapper's on like a forty-minute podcast? Oh, like we can't get the guy for five minutes. No, like, eh. we can't. We can't. I listen. How much is Kenyon Drake going to actually get the ball this year? I mean, I think a fair amount of times, isn't he? They're talking him up pretty Is much. Is he going to get the ball more than uh, any of their backup running backs have gotten in the past? Or are we talking about Jalen like, Richard? Uh, he gets it as much as Jalen Richard. Or, or, I bet he gets uh, as much as Jalen Richard. Like Booker was oh. got, got the most carries yeah. last year behind Josh Jacobs. Because it, uh, uh. it's, it's very exciting to be like, all right, the Raiders have two great running backs, Josh Jacobs and Kenyon Drake. And they do. They've got two really good running backs. There's only so many carries to go around. And when you start looking at who's who should be getting the ball in the passing game, like Darren Waller should be getting it more. Outside of that, like Henry Ruggs is probably going to get a lot of targets. There's a good chance like John Brown and Hunter Renfro get a lot of targets. Like it's very easy to see Kenyon Drake having the sixth most targets on this team and also being the number two running back. Right. So I'm fascinated how much they actually use him. How much does John Gruden think I have to use him versus how much is he actually one of the better players and they need to, they should be using him. Like I'm fascinated to see it because at the end of the day, he's a backup running back. Like you all suggesting this, the Joker's a decoy. I mean, all this talk about the decoy and Joker and all that, like he's a backup running back. He's Josh Jacobs backup. Well, they paid him a lot of money. The yeah. joke, the Joker has a great agent. I mean, that's, that's what he is at the end of the day. So I, I am very curious to see how much does he get used because the Raiders, Granted, his cap hit isn't a lot this year, but the Raiders did spend quite a bit on him to where if he, listen, last year, Devontae Booker had 93 carries. How many balls did he catch? Uh, He caught 17 passes. That's all? That's it. And Jalen Richard only caught 19. 
So okay, the seventeen's a little surprising to me. Like, I thought it was a lot like, more. So at the end of the year, if we're talking about Kenyon Drake having less than a hundred carries and less than thirty catches, they overpaid. Yeah, which I think is again, and it to me, so it all goes back to more or less. What's their plan with Josh Jacobs? Because the first two years, the plan has been give Josh Jacobs as many carries as we can possibly give Josh Jacobs. He's gotten hurt in both years. He's had some injury issues, and that's caught like they played what once, twice without uh, Josh Jacobs yep. last year. So like that's caused them to play without him. So I'm curious, like, does that change? That might be where the carries come in. Where instead of Josh Jacobs, hey, when he's healthy, we're gonna give the guy. 18, 19, 20 carries a game, does it become, hey, he's healthy, we're giving him 14 carries a game. And Drake's going to pick up the rest. Drake's getting 8, 9, 10 right. or something like that. Like, I'm fascinated to see how they do it because that's probably what they should do. Well, that's what I was going to say. That's If you're saying what they should do, that's what they should do to not only keep your number one healthy, but again, if you're going to give the guy $11 million, you, you need to have him produce. Yeah. I mean, he, he needs to be out there producing for you. And the other part I'm curious to see how many snaps do they have Josh Jacobs and Kenyon Drake on the field? Same field. Which is which will be interesting. Like, do you put them both out there? Because I'm I'm trying to think like the the I'm trying to like the Saints as an example, because they have Alvin Kamara and they have Latavius Murray. And Latavius Murray's been very good as sort of the number two running back there. But I don't recall how often they put them both on the field at the same time. Like how often is Latavius Murray in the backfield? And Alvin Kamara splits out wide because that's sort of the dynamic the Raiders are going for. They're going for, hey, we can have like Alvin Kamara is one of the best receiving uh, running backs in the NFL. We can have Alvin Kamara split out wide. You can have Kenyon Drake split out wide and have Latavius Murray or Josh Jacobs in the backfield to run the ball. I'm curious how often they do that. How much does Josh Jacobs his first years, not close to 60, but uh, had 20 receptions his first year and 33 last year. Kenyon Drake, you're saying, had under 20. I mean, are they both going to be looking at 25? Like, how many receptions can you Drake take away from a guy who had 33 less? Is Josh Jacobs getting a singles target this year? I mean, <laughs> if if your number's 33 at the books on Josh Jacobs on catches, I'm going way down. I'm going under big time. Because I think Kenry Drake, Kenyon Drake obviously takes some of those. And, I mean, if you're throwing, I, I get there's certain situations down a distance, but... I don't know if a major part should be throwing to Josh Jacobs. Yeah, what a quick math here. There were 69 receptions by running backs last year for the Raiders. Like, that's not, oh, Theo Riddick forgot about him. He almost had half of them. But again, Drake's going to take some of those, I would think. If he's not taking some of them, again, something's wrong with why you gave him that much money. Yeah, so there's 70, there were 74 catches by running backs. And he had 33 of them. Yeah, so are they just going to split those evenly and they both end up with about 35? What were they telling? I mean, what were they telling Josh Jacobs that he ever thought he was getting 60 receptions? I have no idea. Who was telling him that? <laughs> like, what were they saying? And here's the thing. He said that after a year where he had 20. Yes. I'm like, dude, that's a huge jump. <laughs> that would be like the defense this year under Gus Bradley ranking second in the yes. NFL. Like, that is a big jump. Now, if you want to say I'm going from 20 to 30, and he actually went 20 to 33, uh, okay, I could see that. But 60. Man, when he said my goal is 60 receptions, I was like, whoa. All right, coming up next, (laughs) Justin Emerson joins the show. Devin Booker. Oh, le ballon volé! Oh, c'est pas possible, le ballon volé! Oh, là, 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 là! Mais c'est pas possible de faire ça maintenant! 
Magnifique action de Joe Holiday. Mais alors quand même, il faut quand même avoir, mais alors vraiment du ventre pour aller envoyer un aller ou plein. Aïe, 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 Et la faute en... We're back to the press box with Grady and Bischoff, live from the Finley Toyota ESPN Las Vegas studios. Wow, sorry. Um, I got you. Thank you. Sorry. Sorry. Still don't like French. No, that was awesome because you had the one guy and then you had the French smoker coming in. Did you hear that guy's <laughs> voice? Oh, you had a few packs. Come on. Joining us now from the Las Vegas Sun is Justin Emerson. Justin, good morning. How are you? <laughs> Buddy. Hi, Tyler. Hi, Ed. How are you doing? Good. We man. are. Yeah, we are good. very good. And by the way, probably better than you, the Phoenix Suns fan. <laughs> yeah, that was a rough one, eh? Uh, they, uh, they better win tonight. I don't know, or tomorrow. Tomorrow. Yeah, so it's, <laughs> you, boy, you've really <laughs> given up hope if you think the game's tonight. <laughs> Jeez. Tomorrow, whatever. Yeah, yeah, because it's tomorrow, and then we got, what, expansion draft Wednesday, game seven is Thursday, and then the NHL well, draft well, Friday. That's all right. Oh, well, I don't know if there's going to be I game mean, seven. As we said earlier in the show, if it's game seven, and this is your team, and at five o'clock, you're like, you know what? Given they took price yesterday, obviously Montreal has now traded for Marc Andre Fleury. How mad would you be that you're writing on deadline? You can't watch the game if your team wins it because Fleury's been moved to Montreal. <laughs> yeah, is that what is that what's going to happen? Marc Andre well, Fleury going back to Montreal, hometown kid. Yes. Yeah. Okay. I like it. It's yeah. One little one little conspiracy you got. I like it. We've already decided on that. That's what's going to happen here. By the way, so if you're if you're Seattle, are you taking Carey Price? Man, that's such a I, – I hope so, personally, just because that would be a lot of fun to watch. $7.5 million for, what, five more years? That's, that's a tough ask for a team with uh, zero bad contracts on the books right now. But uh, that would – I hope they do. Uh, I, if I'm Seattle, I don't know if I would. Yeah, I don't think I would if I was Seattle no. either. But I'm with you in hoping that they do take Carey Price just for the entertainment of it. So – with, okay, here's here's what I'm curious to see with the with Seattle because the Golden Knights when they had their expansion draft and even into that first season, like they were afraid to lose Jason Garrison on waivers or something like that. <laughs> like the Golden Knights' goal until about the trade deadline of year one was to get as many future assets as possible, was to be really good in like their third, fourth, and fifth years. Their goal really wasn't to be good in year one until about the trade deadline. Seattle's in a weak division. There's really good players that are available in the expansion draft. Seattle could conceivably put together a team that could make the playoffs in the Pacific division and have a playoff team in year one, but it probably wouldn't be a Stanley cup contender. So I'm curious, like what's your thoughts on should Seattle be going for playoffs in year one, or should they be trying to get future assets and Hey, let's win the Stanley cup in year four or something like that. Well, I mean, it might be a little reductive to say this, but Seattle has the choice of either being a good team next year or a bad team next year. So which one would you rather be? I mean, they, there are enough good players that are available to the Kraken in the expansion draft, as well as side deals, whatever you can make. You could definitely, I mean, you could be the second best team in the Pacific next year. I mean, the Pacific is on paper looks so bad. You've got Vegas, you've got <laughs> probably Edmonton, and then. Ooh, is Seattle the third? Right now, is Seattle the third best team in next year's Pacific Division? They very well might be. So I, I think it'd be a hard sell to your fan base to say, hey, we had this chance to be really good right off the bat, and we chose not to be. And you can understand the hockey reason for it. There's, the next year's draft is, is very good, from what I understand. So you could 
see why they might want to get, you know, a couple of first-round picks, try to do all that. But I don't know how you can look at the opportunity to be a playoff team in an expansion year and choose not to, especially when you're in the same division as the Golden Knights and set the bar admittedly astronomically high for an expansion team. But I think the main takeaway is, yes, expansion teams can be good, and the Kraken have that opportunity. Everyone overlooking the Kings again. No, we also no. said earlier in the show, uh, you know, and, and he, they do have to make this decision. And, we're, you know, we're saying, okay, do they take 15 really good players and, you know, you, you build through the draft and what else. But when you saw the, if you're them and you see the list, and maybe they knew the list that was coming, I mean, I'm sure everyone knows everything, but, and you're in the room, you know, you can't, you're probably not going to be the Knights, but how much, how tempting is it just on a fan base, just on a perception sake to say, look, let's get really, really good that first year so we can really, you know, break into Seattle and get the fans excited. And this is not a regular expansion season where, you know, you're not very good and, you know, they're not fired up for two or three years. Isn't it tempting, Justin, to look at this and say, we should probably take a couple of these guys we shouldn't just to be good? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, I think you look at, you know Lorena here now. We've got year four. The Golden Knights fan base is still one of the better ones in the league. I mean, the place is still electric. They're still good every year. That's how you build a fan base, right? And a lot went right that first year. Stanley Cup Finals, the way that the team responded and kind of built that bond with the community after the one October shooting. And maybe that doesn't get replicated. Probably doesn't get replicated in Seattle. But the opportunity to be good right off the bat, I mean, Seattle's fan base is going to give give the team a couple of years leeway regardless. Because they're a new, exciting team. If they were bad next year, no problem. They're bad the year after that, you know, you're probably still not losing any fans. But after that, at some point, you're going to have to win. So why not do it right off the bat? And, you know, there are some players on expiring contracts that you can get. You know, Max Domi, Mark Giordano, these kind of guys who you can then flip at the trade deadline if it doesn't work out. So there's really no downside to trying to be good. And and I, I don't see why, if I'm a fan of the crack and if i'm living in seattle i'm like all right i'm ready to be an nhl fan i want my team to try to be good as soon as possible because as far as maybe they're good but not stanley cup contender i do believe that you know once you kind of get into the playoffs i think the canadians are a perfect example sometimes things just go right and you make it to the stanley cup final and that's exciting but if you're already good already and you've kind of built that foundation of being a good team you can add it to trade deadline next offseason you can make a big swing and go get a Max Pacioretty or Mark Stone type and, you know, build off of what is a good team and turn it into a great team because it's hard to turn from a bad team to a great team. It's easier to be a good one to a great one. So I think Seattle absolutely has to go out and, and try to be good right away. Uh, what did you think of the Cody Glass-Nolan Patrick trade? Uh, surprised we didn't get it in April, but uh, <laughs> I think that was kind of rumored for a little bit. And, uh, I, I You could see the writing on the wall that Cody Glass didn't have a future with the Golden Knights. Uh, the way that he was demoted to the AHL last year, that they didn't bring him up. Uh, he played one playoff game. Even Pete DeBoer in the playoffs was asked about Cody Glass and said, you know, he's really good on the power play, and kind of the implication being, well, that's about it. <laughs> and um, they were good everywhere except the power play. So, I mean, hindsight 2020, I guess. But wouldn't Cody Glass have been a good option to try to play even fourth-line minutes at five-on-five, five, but then get in on the power play in the playoffs? I don't know. But... It was clear that they didn't believe that Cody Glass was part of the future anymore. And uh, when you get a player like Nolan Patrick, who has also struggled uh, in his NHL career, but it's a guy that Kelly McCrimmon knows well. He coached him in juniors. Um, he's a guy that they had high on their draft board way back in 2017. And you kind of get that classic uh, change of scenery, fresh start kind of trade. So I think it makes a lot of sense. And clearly the Golden Knights believe that Nolan Patrick has a better uh, future in the NHL than Cody Glass. And I you know, I kind of, I don't know how I feel about that, but it's hard to disagree too much with that assessment. It, 
have you ever covered a brand in Wheat Kings games? Because if so, I assume you're getting exclusives from McCrimmon for the next 46 years, uh, because I think if you've ever breathed in that town, uh, he loves you. But um, beside that, what do you think, you know, with Nolan Patrick, I assume because McCrimmon obviously really likes him. We were talking about this before. You have what? You have four exhibition games. I mean, how strong a look do you think they have putting him in the middle of Stone and Patchetti? Or, because we were saying earlier, I mean, at this point, the way he's played of late, you say Nosekawa are better at this point. Like, where do you think this guy ultimately falls? I think he's going to – I look at him as a third-line guy. I don't think he's going to play between Stone and Patchetti because of the way – I mean, Chandler Stevenson has, has shown that he can play between those two, that that two years ago, that bubble run wasn't a fluke and that – all last year, he was spectacular between those two. He was their best center. He might be the best center that they've had, even going back to Paul Stasny, Cody Glass, those kind of guys. So I don't know why you break that up for the chance of Nolan Patrick, who, I don't know, wasn't exactly, hasn't exactly blown the doors off the NHL since he's been here. So I think he kind of eased Patrick into that third-line role. I think maybe the days of the hope that he's going to be a superstar in this league are probably gone. But if you can get, you know, this is a very golden Knights trade, is getting a guy who might be undervalued and not, is great. You look at going back to that first year, William Carlson kind of had that explosion. Stevenson himself was about to get put on waivers by Washington before Vegas got him. So maybe coming to Vegas, getting shedding those expectations that he had as the number two overall pick with Philadelphia and not being able to live up to that. Maybe he thrives a little bit, but I think, uh, you know, you, you got a classic a classic third-line guy, whether that's center, wing, wherever they want to put him. I think you've got, he'll play on the bottom six for Vegas next year. What if the Patrick kid begins on the horizon? Oh, boy. Oh, if he's on the horizon, it won't be a good trade. <laughs> oh, because of all the ways? Oh, yeah. Oh, he's yeah. on the horizon. He's coming. Oh, boy. Um, given that so that we had the roster freeze over the weekend before the protected list had to be submitted by all the teams not named the Golden Knights, since they were exempt, do you think they should have been more active? Do you think they should have done more over the weekend to acquire players or assets? Mm, I'm sure they tried. Um, you know, you look at a couple of the guys that got moved, not a lot of big, big names necessarily moved. Ryan Ellis moved out of Nashville as part of the trade that brought Nolan Patrick to Vegas. But I don't, I don't, I don't necessarily mind what Vegas did. There's still plenty of off season left. Uh, you get the, you got the freeze that lifts on Thursday and then you're going to probably make a couple of moves before free agency starts on the 28th. So, you know, you got to figure out what you're going to do with a goalie. I don't think the goalie trade was ever going to happen before expansion, just because whoever wants that goalie is going to protect him, so you want to make that trade after the expansion draft. So uh, there's still a lot of time for this to be a busy offseason for Vegas. So they got, you know, they got Nolan Patrick, they got they got Brett Howden out of New York, but I still think we're going to see uh, see some more moves from Vegas in the next week. Did you take a lot from McCrimmon's comment, just like what you said, Justin, where he said a lot's going to happen after that? I I don't know if he was talking personally about them. I don't know if he was talking in scope about the entire league. And your feeling right now. By next Monday, do they still have the same two goalies on their team? Great question. Um, you know what? I'm going to go with no. I think wow. that they get moved in the next week, and because that's when you're going to have to do it. You're going to you want to know before whatever the 28th is. Is that is that Wednesday? That's free agency next Wednesday, mm-hmm. and you're going to want to know how much cap space you have. You can make a deal, do whatever it is, and if it's going to be a trade for a big player, if it's going to be Jack Eichel or Patrick Laine or all these big, big names that they've been connected to, you're going to have to move Fleury or Leonard in order to just frankly get the cap space. And before free agency opens, you want to know how much room you have to bring back Alex Martinez or any of the guys that are available on the market. So I think if you're going to make a move for a goalie, and I think they will this offseason, you're going to have to do it in the next week. So Thursday, 6.17 p.m., middle of the second quarter of Game 7. 
Hey, you know what? I'll take it because that means there's a game. <laughs> Put it this way: if they if they announce Schmidt at nine and Nate Schmidt at nine forty five on deadly, deadline, Flurry's being announced at two a.m. We'll all be asleep, and Sage will be sending out some kind of release that they have just moved Mark Andre Flurry. So it's going to be like <laughs> yeah, the... didn't they? Yeah, I was going to say, didn't they trade for Max Pacioretty like after a seven thirty preseason oh, game or something like that? That Nate Schmidt. They never announce anything around here till nine p.m. Well, the one they did early was they fired Gallant and hired DeBoer. <laughs> and because they were in, in Canada, was it was like a 6 a.m. Pacific yeah. time. And, like, here you go. And Justin and I could, and, and, Justin and I couldn't write it because we're at McCarran International boarding a flight for Ottawa. I was going to say, Ed, you remember that one well. Yes. We woke up thinking, oh, today's going to be a normal day. Yes. And then we ended it on a plane to Canada. Yeah, that was odd. Uh, All right, well. He's Justin Emerson. I guess good luck with the Suns. I mean, I hope there's a Game 7. So good luck for the Suns in Game 6. Thanks, Tyler. I appreciate it. Yeah, it's about the nicest thing I'll say to you. Uh, (laughs) Thanks, Justin. Thanks, Justin. Thanks, guys. Anytime. Oh, two good friends, Jared and Justin, both with Jays. We're kind of rooting for both, I guess, because they both want their teams to win. Oh, I'm not rooting for anybody because of people I know. (laughs) Yeah. You you used to, you also used the word friend. I I don't I don't know if Tyler associates. Normally, me. I the people I know I don't want their favorite teams to win. Really? Oh yes. What's oh, the point of that? Because I don't want them to have the joy of their favorite team won. What do you mean? I mean I'm okay. I've never said I think I'm when, a good friend. No, I think when the teams well other than the Padres, but like if if the teams that I like are out of it, and like I have a friend who's like a you know really big fan of a team like. I'm fine with that team winning. And, uh, what if your fr- team's been eliminated? Absolutely not. Well, how many friends do you have? Uh, too many. <laughs> Got too many. Favorite the way you teams. treat these people? Oh, do not want their favorite teams to win. Absolutely not. My goodness, no chance. He, he, he genuinely reminds me of the, the the people that if 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 someone's getting too chummy, he's going to call them by the wrong name. <laughs> oh, man. No, I wouldn't do that. I'd just walk away. Be like, you're kind of annoying. We're going somewhere else. All right. We need a new Sharp. 702-364-1100 is the phone number. Uh, JP had the Suns, and the Suns failed him in Game 5. So 702-364-1100 is the phone number if you would like to be our Sharp. We have an Antonio Brown jersey to give away. you got to get to 9. It's very hard to do, but you can do it. 702-364-1100 is the phone number if you want to be our Sharp. It's time to find the sharp. Brought to you by PropSwap, where smart sports bettors buy and sell sports bets. Go to PropSwap.com today and find the very best odds. All right, a new sharp is Matt. Nine in a row is what you need to get for the Antonio Brown jersey. So, Matt, your first day, where would you like to go with your pick? Let me get uh, the White Sox today. All right. They are playing the Twins, minus 225. All right. We got you in for the White Sox. If the White Sox win, we will be talking to you You again You sure you don't want to parlay the Golden Knights season opener next year? Well, Well, I was was seeing if I could bet against Tyler's horse, but, you know. Oh, that'd be great. We're not racing today at the moment, but, yes, at some point you can Can we open that up? Yeah, sure. Once That'd be I once great. We, the, yeah, scheduling the races will be difficult, but yeah, we'll throw that in as an option. That can't D- yeah, double down on fake horse yeah. losing. Oh, c- calm down over there. Don't be mean <laughs> to fake horse. All right, Matt. Good luck. Thank you. 
You're one of those guys I hope everyone loses. You just said you want everyone to lose the people I you do. know. Yeah, so that's fine. <laughs> I just expect everybody to want me to lose, too. So it's it's fine. I now, got it. No, now, I do believe that. <laughs> I mean, that expectation is, like, weird because it's like, no, no, we try to support you with kindness. And you go, what are you doing, you weirdos? Yeah, why would I want my friend's team to win? I don't understand that concept. I want Jared's team to win. I mean, I, but I like Justin as well. I so. want to make fun of my friends for their teams losing, so I do not want them to win. Man, all right. Well, I mean, <laughs> honestly, I was thinking about this the other night, watching Booker do a one-legged pogo stick long two that he miraculously made with somebody's freaking hand in his face, and I was like. You know, if they weren't playing the Bucks, I'd probably be rooting for the Suns because Devin Booker's fun to watch. Yeah, both teams are. You and yet you want them both to lose. No, I I don't the I don't have I think I want Giannis to win. I think. I don't know. I found myself cheering for the Bucks most of this series, but I think that's because they were down two nothing and I was like, Oh god, please give us a long series. I don't want to sweep. And they came through. So now I, I I will be cheering for the Suns to win game six. Absolutely. Because I definitely want a game seven. I also want, I'm very excited because the United States and Mexico can meet in the Gold Cup final on August 1st here in Vegas. Uh, the group stage is over for those two. They're on opposite sides of the bracket. If If one of them had lost yesterday then they would have been on the same side of the bracket. And all of a sudden we'd be having Mexico and the U S potentially in the semifinals, which is not in Vegas. And I do not have tickets to it, but I'm very excited. The U S and, and Mexico are on different sides of the bracket. That's who you want. That's what I want. The United States beat Canada yesterday. Oh, they played like crap. And if they're, you told us last week, if the USA isn't in it, you're not going. No, I'll sell my ticket. Okay. But there's also just a high probability that the Mexico fans ruin your day. Anyway, <laughs> What if they're in it? Yeah, if it's Mexico, oh, absolutely. we're going to beat Mexico. But absolutely, there's like there's like a high probability of all right. Well, they just did the ten minute break. Let's hope that the players come back. If absolutely. the U.S. isn't in it, well, if Mexico's in it, you'll be able to sell your ticket. I'm just say like you you you're going to be able to move that ticket if they're not in it. If Mexico's in it, for sure. El Salvador probably had like thirty thousand fans at their game against Mexico yesterday. Ebus, my goodness, they were in Texas somewhere. So I, you know. Like, okay, you'll you'll enjoy this. Uh, Cutter is in this tournament mm -hmm. because CONCACAF randomly will invite a team from a different region to just come play. Uh, Cutter might get through to the knockout stages. Like, if Cutter's in the final, I don't think there's any Cutter fans coming to watch him play in no. the World Cup final. No. You know, Jamaica doesn't have, like, a no. big fan base. But, like, Costa Rica, feel pretty good if it's them. El Salvador, suddenly, feel pretty good if it's them. Mexico, obviously. obviously. And then, like... A Honduras, Panama, maybe, maybe might be there. But you're not going if the U.S. isn't in it. No, why would I go watch Mexico play Jamaica? I don't know, because you bought a ticket. No, I'd rather sell it, get my money back, probably make money off of it, honestly. Depending on who's in the final. If Mexico's in it, I think we'll, I, we'll probably make money, uh, yeah. I'll probably make money selling the ticket back. You didn't give us any kind of lights update. They played over the weekend. Oh, they lost. I don't want to talk yeah. about them. Disaster. Are they out of playoff position oh, now? They have to be, yeah. Because they've. Hey, I mean, hey. talk about talk about the mush to my left. The yeah. minute you said they were in playoff position, they haven't won since. No, no, they lost. Yeah, they've lost two in a row. <laughs> it's not. It's not been good. Let's see. When do they even play? I don't again? even think though, because the USL is like 
Everybody, uh, the top seventeen teams make the playoffs. Oh, I, they're still in. They're yep, still in a playoff. I, spot. Even after two straight yep. losses, yes, they're still in a playoff spot. The, they're in fourth. They are still in fourth. Uh, they are tied. It's a three-way tie with Tacoma, LA, and Lights. And right now, they would have the tiebreaker. I, I'm telling oh, you, oh, phenomenal. They're still in a uh, playoff spot. Two years ago, they just didn't win a road game, and they still technically could make the playoffs <laughs> the last day. Or the second to last day before the season ended. And Phenomenal. it was just like, this league is weird. Look at them. Great. Don't don't look at how many games Tacoma's played because it's two less and they have the same amount of points. But if you ignore that, they're in a playoff spot. Let's go. They play again on Friday. They're still in this. They still got a chance. They play uh, Real Monarchs from Salt Lake on Friday. Where? Uh, at, at, at in Salt Lake, I believe. Oh. Yeah, I don't think I'm going to that one. Yeah, it's in Salt Lake. So, yeah, they're still on the road. They only have like a couple of home games in July. They oh, really? A, they got a bunch towards the end of the season. They're on the they road? Played, like, every game they played was yeah. at home in June. Yeah, they've been home a lot, so they're going to have to take their stuff yeah, to the they road. It's like 100 home games in a row. It's going to be tough to hold on to that spot. Yeah, no, they got it. Well, yeah, they can't win on the road, so that is a big that is a big issue. It's a big issue. They've won twice this year, which ties the franchise record in a regular For season. For road games? Road wins. Road they wins? Two road wins this year. It two. ties the franchise record. For road wins in a season. Tough. They'll get another one. I have confidence they'll get one more and break the record. Right. They've got about 12 more tries to do it, so they should get one, hopefully. I am not faith. Yeah. I have well, not a lot of faith. If they don't get one, they're probably not going to the playoffs. One other soccer story for you. Inter Milan is supposed to come to Florida in about two weeks or something to play some preseason games. They're going to play Arsenal, and there's some other teams that are coming from Europe. Inter Milan today is apparently asking to withdraw from that because of COVID. Because they're like, oh, it's not good in Florida. We shouldn't go to Florida. I mean, after I pass out from uh, realizing it's Florida where they're playing, it's um, it's a shock that Inter Milan's actually saying that. I think that everyone go to Florida. I mean, just go ahead and play. Yeah, but like Arsenal's coming. Yeah, Arsenal's coming. For now, and I will. That's the thing. I was trying to go to that, but they play on a Sunday and a Wednesday. Like, it, it's a disaster schedule to try to fly across the country and go to this. So I decided not to. And I'm glad now because yeah. Inter Milan's not going to go. Well, Arsenal might game. pull out. Yeah, if it, yeah, you'd say, why would we go and play one game against some team nobody's ever heard of? Maybe because the Arsenal can convince the lights to come on. Oh, I'd be in for be that. Be awesome.